0: Everybody, it's so good to see you. It's good to be here. Day five of VBS. I'm so blessed to hear that we had uh, over 60 children make decisions for Christ. I know you applauded, but that deserves another applaud. Yeah, that's exciting. So this week, um, I need my phone for a second here. Uh, I'm so thrilled because one of those decisions was my granddaughter and uh, just excited. And so she's been asking Grandpa, because Grandpa knows everything, right? Uh, A lot of questions and about the Bible and about the Lord. And so yesterday she came and sat next to me on the couch and she said, Grandpa, how many chapters are there in the Bible? And I said, Well, honey, the Bible is, is one book. It's called the Bible, but there's 66 different books in it. She wasn't satisfied with that. She says, but how many chapters are in the Bible? And I said, well, you know, the Bible is comprised of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And she goes, I know, but how many chapters are there in the Bible? And I said, honey, uh, Every one of those books in the Bible has chapters, and I just don't know. (laughs) I've never been asked that question before, how many chapters are in the Bible? And so I shared that first service, and I had a lot of you just Google that. There are, and I'm assuming because it was Googled, it's probably correct, right? So um, there are a total of 1,189 chapters in the Bible, 929 in the Old Testament, 260 in the New. So there you go sailor, grandpa does know everything. <laughs> so kids are awesome. Hey, today's the last Sunday of the month and we uh, have communion. The Bible calls at the Lord's Supper and I wanna give you an opportunity to prepare for that. We serve an open communion here at Eagle Ridge Church. What that means is we just want you to have a relationship with the Lord to be able to participate in communion. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's take a time. I call this time coming clean before the Lord. And it's just a time where Paul tells us when we do communion, when we take the bread and the juice, the Lord's Supper, we want to make sure our hearts are right with God. There might be some areas of your life that you know are are not pleasing to God. And God's a God of mercy. His mercies are new every morning. So just go before the Lord. I don't want anybody to say anything, but Right where you're sitting is the altar. It's just you and God right now. And just say, God, take this sin. Take this struggle. Take this heartache. Just lift this burden from me right now. And, and I want you to do that in the quietness of your own heart right now. And, and one more thing. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I said this is for the family. This is for communion. Communion is for people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're not sure about that, give your heart to Jesus. The Bible says... All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's as simple as you saying, Lord, save me. Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sins, be my Lord and Savior. It's that simple. And so now's the time to do that, just between you and God. And I'm going to give you a moment to do that. Father, we are grateful, we're so thankful that your mercies are new every morning. And Lord, we mess up, we get distracted. And we're so grateful that Lord, you help set us right. Through your love, through your grace, Lord, you forgive us, you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we come before you right now, preparing our hearts, Lord, to commune with you. Lord, if anybody gave their heart to you this morning in just that simple plea just a moment ago, Lord, bless them, encourage them. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. So here's the instruction. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you all to stand. If you're going to participate today, you'll exit out the sides, not outside the building, but out the side aisle. You'll come up, get your cup, Go back down this, come around and come back down the center to your seat in an orderly fashion. Once you get your cup, sit down and then get access to the top layer is the bread. You want to get that and just hold it up. That lets me know you're ready to go. Don't anybody eat. We're going to eat together. Amen. So come on, get your cup. For those watching online, be a good time to go get your bread, your cracker, juice, whatever you plan on using, and we'd love you to, as you're watching online, and I know some, uh, a great deal of people will be watching midweek, and so this is a perfect time for you to get your bread and your juice, so you can join us, it's just as significant for you to join us online. Once you're back to your seat, go ahead and pull back that top layer. And once you have that wafer of bread, hold that up. That lets me know you're ready to go. And just a heads up, that second layer, you want to not grab the whole tab and try and pull it because you'll get juice on your lap. It's just another peeled, kind of thin layer, that second layer, and that'll uh, get access to the juice. Go ahead and hold up the wafer when you're ready to go. This, what we're doing right now is is it has to be more than just a religious tradition or act that we're doing. This is very significant. What I'm reminded of, I'm reminded the first time I heard the gospel when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of what the scriptures tell me to reflect, to remember what Jesus has done for us. I'm also encouraged by God's word that says. Not only do I look back and remember the life, the freedom that comes in Christ, the sacrifice that Jesus provided for us by taking our sin on the cross, but he tells us to look forward to the day that he's going to come back. He's coming back soon, folks. And so this is what this is all about. Please hold the bread up. Father, thank you for sending your son over 2,000 years ago to give us life. We're so grateful. We're so grateful for that. And we love you. Let's partake. And if you could get your juice ready and hold that up, that'll let me know you're ready to go. Jesus said that He established a new covenant by His blood. We have a new covenant. It's a covenant of life and liberty, of God's grace and mercy. It's a covenant of power. We have victory over sin, victory over death, only because of what Jesus did. And because of that, we're so thankful. Are you ready? Let's hold up the cups and pray. Father, thank You... Again, for sending your sin over 2,000 years ago. You didn't leave us orphans. Uh, We stumbled and, and were frail in our attempts to try to live by the Ten Commandments. You intervened, Jesus. You took on our sin. You became the last sacrifice. You became law for us. You died for us to give us life. And for that, we are grateful forever. Let's partake. You can set those cups, uh, there's a little spot on the chair in front of you or underneath your chair. And if you're youth, or um, in our youth group, I was told that now's the time to head to the back, they've got something for you uh, that they're work putting together to bless you. So right out the doors into the lobby. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. We're continuing going through the book of Matthew. We're right in the middle of chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 16 through 23 today. So open your Bibles or your smart device. I've got the scripture on the screen. And this morning's message is really a new series. It's called Overcoming Times of Difficulty. You don't need to raise your hand. I know for a fact that every one of you, you're either in a time of difficulty now or you've been in one, or you're heading into one. That doesn't sound very encouraging, but that's the truth of the matter, that every one of us experience times of difficulty, sometimes so intense, we don't know if we're even gonna make it. A lot of times leading into those difficult trials or tribulations, those difficult times, you kind of have a sense that you're equipped for that, but many times in the middle of it, again, you just don't know if you can even take a breath. This morning's message is a look at Jesus calling out his disciples, and he tells them what to experience. And so we pick up, and I want to just pray before we get into the message. God, I pray that as we look at Matthew 10 this morning, and we look at difficult times that the disciples are heading into, Lord, many here are going through difficulties. They're going through tough times. Lord, I pray today would be a day that people have a sense of the victory that's available to them through difficulty. Lord, challenge us, encourage us through your word in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So now we're in Matthew chapter 10, starting with verse 16, we're going to look at verse 16 through 23, and I'm reading this morning out of the New King James, behold, I am sending you out as sheep, Jesus says, in the midst of wolves. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, Jesus says, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, their churches, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my name, for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or, or what you're going to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. What great assurance that Jesus is telling His disciples, people who are following Him. Hey, you're going to go through difficulties, He says, and you don't, don't be thinking about your, your defense and and all that stuff, at the right time, at the right moment, the Spirit of God is going to speak to and through you. For it's not you, in verse 20, who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Verse 21, brother will deliver brother over to death, and father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And so you see in the context of this passage this morning, some tough words from Jesus of what the disciples, his disciples, were going to experience. This this passage has to do with Jesus warning them that they're going to go through times of difficulty persecution, but he also gives them counsel on how to deal with that persecution. And I just want to qualify something here. I know a lot of people say, well, in America, we don't experience persecution and other countries do. There are other countries where it's actually illegal to be a Christian or, or have in your possession a Bible or any Christian literature. But I want you to know this morning that there's different levels of persecution. There really is. And just because we may not be experiencing the most severe end of persecution, which ultimately would be being martyred, being killed for your faith. Even though we have not experienced that here in America, there are different levels. I mean, there are levels of just being peer pressure, uh, being poked at and made fun of. That is, in itself, persecution as a believer. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in depth in just a moment. But I want you to notice something in this passage, and this is number one. It's Christ who sends his disciples. He sends them out. Jesus commissions them. He sends them out. And and you've got to understand that our relationship as followers of Jesus is God has sent us out into a world. And he commissions His disciples, and therefore, we've been commissioned as followers of Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who just believes in God. I'm talking about somebody who is actually following the Lord Jesus, a true believer of Jesus Christ. If you're a true believer, you've been sent out, and Jesus uses those words, I send you out. It's Christ who sends them out. They've been walking with Jesus. They've been witnessing His miracles. They've been seeing amazing things. And now it's like, oh, you're going to send us out to what? We're going to experience what? I mean, wait a minute. And, and so Jesus is fully aware of the persecution that lies ahead for His disciples. And you might be saying, well, why is He doing this? Why is He letting them know? And, and why, are they ex- gonna, why are they going to experience such difficulty And it's because uh, the Son of God can use, understand this, He can use our persecution, the the difficult things that we go through, for His good. I know nobody wants to hear that. When you hear somebody tell you when you're going through a difficult time, well, all things will work out well for those who love the Lord. It's like, I don't want to hear that right now. That doesn't feel good. That doesn't seem very helpful. But understand that no matter what you're going through, there are things that you can extract both good, positive, and and negative. And a lot of times I think people tend to lean towards extracting the negative. But there are good things that you can pull out of difficulties. Would you agree with that? Yeah. It it teaches us to, to put our trust. Difficult times teach us to not put our trust in people or things or stuff, but to put our trust and hope in the Lord. We can trust and understand that God protects us. Sometimes you may feel that sense of vulnerability where you, all hell has broken loose and you're wondering, God, where are you? God is there and he's protecting you. So it teaches us difficulties dude, to trust in the Lord and, and it also gives us an understanding that God will deliver us. When you tap in, when you zero into the Lord, God will get you through that difficult time. I was talking to somebody recently who, who, who's been getting, they're desiring some counseling from me, and, and they've been getting counseling from others, and they're going through a difficult time. And, and I was surprised to hear that other pastors were telling him, well, just, uh, I'll pray for you, but I don't, really don't, I don't really know what to say to you. It's like, what? You're a pastor and you don't know what to say? Uh, here's what you say to somebody that's going through difficulty. God is there. Tap into Him. Zero into your relationship with the Lord. Put God first and watch what God will do. I'm going to speak more about that in a moment. Trials, difficulties, challenges can teach us to trust in the Lord. It it teaches us that God is our source, that deliverance is through Him. And understand that as a believer, you're going to go through difficult times. That almost seems like a no-brainer, but I want you to know something. When you make a commitment to center your your work relationship on the Lord. You're going to give glory to God. When you make a, a, a decision that you're going to put God first in relationships, God first in finances, when you make those kinds of decisions, you ha- at that point have stepped into a spiritual battle. The enemy is not happy about that. He's going to do everything he can to come against you. Listen, the attributes of the enemy, and I'm talking about the devil, is, and the Bible's clear, Jesus said it, It's to kill, steal, and destroy. The devil wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to rip you off of everything you've worked hard for, everything that you've held dear. The devil wants to rip that from you and destroy you. His desire is that you die without the joy of the Lord in your heart. And we have the joy of the Lord in your heart. You have to understand that. We have to understand as men and women of God that we're in a battle. And at any moment, any of us can be susceptible to the wiles, the attacks of the enemy. And I don't share that with you to frighten you. And you can say, well, I don't want to hear anymore. I'm not going to church anymore because it's just too intense. I don't want to hear that stuff. You can't stick your head in the sand and think that it's not going to happen to you. Difficulties will happen. Let's be honest, how many of you have gone through or are going through difficulties? Raise your hand. I, got, I have two hands up. Okay? That's just life. And as I stated early on, you are either have gone through a difficulty, you're in a difficulty, or you're heading that way. It's just, that's called life. Now, Jesus tells his disciples they're going to experience Persecution when they go out and speak the truth. Isn't it interesting that when you speak the truth, people attack you? When you stand in the truth, when you decide, you know what, I'm going to stand in the truth, I'm going to speak the truth, people will attack you at that point. We see that all the time. Now, Jesus goes from there and he begins to counsel them And the counseling is this, it's interesting, be be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I thought that, be as wise as a serpent? A snake? When I was a little boy, I loved snakes and lizards. I think a lot of little boys do. Some of you guys still like snakes and lizards. I'm not that fond of them anymore, but I used to have pet snakes and pet lizards, and I'd go on hunts looking for them and stuff. I haven't met too many girls that like that stuff, but I'm not that much into it anymore. I I like them from afar. And and I remember not too long ago, I have a dog, his name is Dexter. We We hardly ever call him Dexter unless he's in trouble. And, and that's not very often. I refer to him as Dex, and Dex is a black lab. And I take Dex out for walks. I had just taken the trash out to the curb, and, and it's dark almost. It's not quite light. It's not quite dark. It's dusk. And I took the trash cans out to the curb, and then I went in and I got Dex, and we're going to go for a walk. And we come down the driveway. We make a right-hand turn, and I hear this. And I'm pretty sharp. Right away, I thought, you know, I put something in the can like an aerosol can. It's probably going off. (laughs) But Dex's reaction didn't indicate that that's what was really going on. And when he kind of went like that and looked, I looked at the same time. And right there within just a few feet was a, a rattlesnake at the curb in between two of my cans. He was coiled and he was rattling. And I went and I put Dex up really quick so that he wouldn't get bit, and I hollered at my wife, I said, Catherine, I need your help, there's a rattlesnake at the curb. She goes, uh-uh, I'm not coming out there. I said, honey, I need you to hold the flashlight so I can take care of business. I'm not going out there. I said, honey, I need you, you don't want me to get bit. And so she came out with the flashlight, and I'm not going to tell you what I did, but we, we uh, dispatched that snake. And um, we like snakes because they eat rodents, but rattlesnakes, and we've got little kids around the neighborhood. So, um, so I'm thinking about this passage, be as wise as a serpent. I thought that's an interesting thing that Jesus said. He, the correlation of using that analogy to be as wise as a serpent, and I got to be thinking about that. Uh, when I think about a snake, I think about it, an animal that maneuvers quietly and cautiously. He's intelligent to some degree, uh, he strategizes. He's quick to seeing danger and quick to escape from it. The serpent is. And, and to me, that would mean a person a, is a person of vision and initiative. It means that to, to know one's resources, your surrounding, when, when to strike and when to withdraw. That, that's what it means when I say, when Jesus said, be as wise as serpents. It, it means to strike with one's attack and message when the opportunity arises. It, it means to withdraw quickly when danger threatens. I think there's wisdom there in what Jesus is saying. And yes, you can even look at a snake and, and extract some positive attributes about, what can I learn from this snake? He doesn't have any arms or legs. He can't run and capture and grab onto its prey in that way. And yet Jesus says to be as gentle as a dove. To me, that was a little easier to understand. To be as gentle as a dove. I mean, the picture of a dove is, in practical purposes is doves are gentle, harmless. They don't cause any damage. They really are a picture of spiritual peace. And and when you think about it, how many of us, when we're going through persecution, when we're going through difficulties, how many of us really embrace peace? It's usually just the opposite. It's turmoil. That's the opposite of peace. It's turmoil, isn't it? And yet Jesus said, be as wise as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. He told his disciples, hey, you're going out as sheep among wolves. And then he gives them this counsel. He tells them what they're going to experience, but then he gives the counsel of being wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. And then he goes on to say in his counseling, he says, beware of men. He says in verse 17, beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts to flog you in their synagogues. You'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And so we're to be aware. We're to be on our guard always. If you're living for Christ, and I'm talking about really living for Christ, you're going to be subject to persecution. Some of you have felt that at work. Some of you have felt that in your relationships. And the ultimate end of that would be being martyred. And we, again, don't see that here in America. But why would such things happen to believers? And who would do such things? Who would persecute believers? Well, Jesus spelled it out. He said men will. He even broke it down even further and said people within your own family would come against you. And then I couldn't figure out a, a term better than the one I have on my notes. Religionists, religious people. You know, Christianity is about relationship. But there are groups of people who put more emphasis on religion. They're married to religion, and and they're the ones that tend to be the most judgmental towards us. And then Jesus used the example of the state. He said, You'll be dragged before governors and kings. And we think about some places in the world today that it's illegal to be a Christian, it's illegal to have a Bible. It's illegal to have a Bible study. I remember when I first got saved, I started plugging into a Bible teaching church. And I was blown away at this particular church because their missions budget, the money they gave to missions, to missionaries, was higher than their operating budget. That's amazing. I've never experienced or know of a church that is set up that way. And so I started going to this church, and that's where I met my wife, Catherine. Praise God. Somebody say hallelujah. Yeah. And, and, but their missions budget was higher than their operating budget. Their operating budget that paid the staff, paid all the utilities, paid to keep the church doors open was lower than their mission budget. And I remember one missionary came, so they were, were really into missions and getting the gospel out to the outermost parts of the world, just like Jesus told us. And one Sunday I heard this missionary, and he shared a story, and I can't remember if it was true or if it was just part of an illustration. And I want you to think about this. He, t- he told this story, and I'll tell it to the best of my recollection. There's a communist country. It's illegal to be a Christian. And they're having a, a hidden house church where Christians gather, knowing that they could be imprisoned or even, at worst, put to death. And so they're meeting. And in the midst or in the middle of their meeting, in walks this military-looking guy, the soldier. He walks in. And he walks right up to the front. And he looks at everybody, and everybody's at this point wondering, okay, is this it? Is this it? Is this the end of our life? And he says, I want everybody who's not completely sold out for Jesus Christ to exit the room right now. Go right out the door. If you're not completely committed to what you're doing right now, I want you to leave right now. Half a dozen people got up and left. Once that last person left, he said, okay, now we can have church. And I remember the impact when I heard that story. Wow. Wow. They thought maybe they were going to lose their life if this guy was going to pull out a machine gun and plow them down. But it wasn't that at all. He was wondering, okay, who are the real believers in this room? Think about that. So it's men. And it's also religious people that, that come against and persecute Christians, real believers. And Jesus says it's civil authorities too. I love what John 15, 18 through 19 says. Is if, if, you, if you find the godless world is hating you, remember it got its start hating me if you lived on the world's terms the world would love you as one of its own but since you picked i picked you to live on god's terms and no longer on the world's terms the world is going to hate you don't be surprised when the world comes against you don't be surprised when friends and family begin to come against you, when you make a decision, you're going to live for Christ. Don't get discouraged by it. Jesus says it's going to happen. I was told, well, Pastor, so-and-so and and -and so-and-so, they've been talking smack about you. And, And one of these days, I'll have lunch with you and I'll tell you what they said. And I said, well, save your money. I don't need to know what they said. I'm in good company. People talk smack about Jesus. Not everybody liked Jesus. And and here's another thing. I hope they're not having communion. Because the Bible's really clear. If you have an issue with somebody, you better not take communion. You better clear things up. But here's another thing. If they got something against me, they should come talk to me. I don't want to know what they think. I don't want to know what they said, I want to know if they have an issue, if it's something I need to repent of, or we need to talk through, that, that takes it to a whole different dimension of Matthew chapter 18, following the scripture, amen? Listen, there are going to be times where people talk about you, they, that's a form, it's not a, a, a major degree of persecution, but that's a form of persecution. It's just going to happen. That's what people do. You don't get upset and you don't let it take up space in your brain. Don't let it take up rent in your brain. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. So I love what John 15 says. And then Jesus' third point of counsel, and it's my fourth point, even though it's the third point of counsel. Don't worry about a defense. He tells his disciples, look, you're going to go through all this difficult stuff, but you don't need to defend yourself. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious about what you're going to say. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to speak through you. As you're ministering the truth, standing for the truth, the Spirit of God will speak through you, will encourage you. In other words, as believers, we're never left alone. Isn't that good news? You and I are never left alone. God is always with us. And you might be thinking, God, where are you in this? I can't even take a breath. I'm not even sure I can move forward. You might have those emotions and those real feelings right now. But God is with you. And you're gaining wisdom. It's like, I don't want any more wisdom. I just want to get through this difficulty. Listen, God's going to get you through it. He's right there with you. Trust in Him. Now I want you to know something and I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this. I've got so much more, but this this is what I want to... If you don't remember anything today, remember this. As a believer of Jesus Christ, God has victory for you. You are victorious. As a believer of Jesus Christ, Whatever you're going through, God is with you. He'll get you through it. And as you press in and you walk with and you move forward in your relationship with Christ, you have victory. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what's going on or what's being said. As you press in and you stay faithful to the Lord, the best thing I could tell you right now is draw close to the Lord. Get close to the Lord. You will experience victory. God will change your perception of how you see your situation. And even if it looks glim and hopeless, God has victory for you. You're on the winning team. He's not going to let loose of you. He's going to get you through it. You're going to become a stronger person, a stronger man, a stronger woman of God. But press into the Lord. Do everything you can to stay obedient in your relationship with Jesus. You have victory. That's the truth of God's word. And that victory can only be had in Jesus Christ. There's no other way to have the victory that I'm talking about. And that's what you need. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we're thankful for today for your word. Lord, we thank you for the understanding that we have that we're going to go through difficulty. There's going to be times where we're going to be persecuted. And yet, Lord, we understand fully that we have victory in you, Jesus. And I just pray right now that you would touch minds, that you would touch hearts to begin to tap into the victory that you have the understanding, the truth of what that victory is in you. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here who doesn't have a relationship with you, Jesus, that they would begin that relationship with you right here, right now. If there's someone who has given their heart to Jesus and you're not walking with the Lord, rededicate your life to the Lord right now. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, whether you're watching online out in the courtyard or here in the sanctuary, I want you to do something that's probably the most important thing you could do in your entire life. I I want you to give your heart to Jesus Christ or rededicate your life to the Lord. And you can do that by praying this prayer. And I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. I now ask you to be my Lord and Savior. If you're rededicating your life to the Lord this morning, just say this, God, I rededicate my life to you. Jesus, fill me. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Amen. Listen, if you gave your heart to Christ for the very first time this morning, uh, or you rededicated your life to the Lord, what I'd like to do is just welcome you to the family of God. I'd like you to do one of two things, or both. Fill out a connection card. Let me know what you did on the back of that connection card. It's my next steps. Or you can text the word PRAY to the number you see on the screen. And that, those texts that we start come from me. So I know some of you think it's a machine. It's not, it's me. Okay, and, and, and it's a group text that just personally, it's you and I texting. And so I can encourage you throughout the week in your faith. Would you all stand to your feet? I'm going to be up here and some of my leaders will be up here to pray for you if you have any prayer needs. Listen, I know the praise team's up here and they're going to do a song, but I'm going to tell you as soon as I pray, you're dismissed. You can stay for the song. Or you can go pick up your kids. I would encourage you to go pick your kids up. And uh, you can hang out if you need prayer and you like fellowship. But you're going to be dismissed as soon as I say amen. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for your word. I thank you for each person here as they go and start this week. Let them sense your presence. Lord, they need your strength. They need your presence. Lord, manifest yourself to each person here in a very real way this week. In Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.